Welcome or welcome back to Lift You Up Inspiring Health Stories. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham. I'm the founder and chief storyteller of TB Media Group. But for the purpose of this podcast, I am your health and happiness matchmaker. Now, before I introduce you to today's guest, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. Hit subscribe on YouTube and turn on those notifications and connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to stay connected with you. Today, you're going to meet an old friend of mine, a fellow Kane, as you know, if you watch this show often, I love to have on this show, Kemi Joseph. He has a really interesting story and we're focusing all up around happiness and kindness and how he's made it the focus of his business. And interestingly enough, it all started because in grade school, he had anger management issues. Our physical, mental, and emotional health is not just a want. It is a need for happy lives and prosperous businesses. Lift You Up is the podcast where we share inspiring health stories from business owners who are fulfilling their purpose to live their healthiest lives and helping you do the same. From former TV reporter to marketing entrepreneur and content creator, I care about sharing stories that matter and stories that connect us. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham, your health and wellness matchmaker. Today, I am so excited <laughs> to see for the first time in I don't know how many years, Kemi Joseph, who is a cane. And if you watch this show, you know that I'm a cane. And I show, there we go. I show love to all my canes regularly on this show because, you know, we're the best. But <laughs> we invented swagger, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but and honestly we're just doing like kick-ass things in the world so that's why i'm so excited to reconnect with you and learn about what you're up to he is the ceo and co-founder of fierce advantage we're gonna learn more about that um so but i guess you know it's been really since college which i don't want to say how many years that is at this point <laughs> um but take me through the journey of yes. you because I know you in college like having this very entrepreneurial spirit and mindset yeah. um yeah. so kind of catch me up what's okay, happened okay, since great. then <laughs> yeah and, and wow so let's start there and I, and I will compress time maybe without giving years so people can't track this but we will say <laughs> that you know in college uh you know started my first organization called you are awesome and that's what you know how we met you're a part of that and, and just the, the what we did on campus and the goal for me was to take that off campus and Really, the focus of that was to help people to embrace what makes them awesome in the world and to to you to make kindness more uh, palpable and powerful than the negativity we were experiencing. And so shortly after we graduated, I went about doing this genuine kindness tour, which eventually led me to be on a scooter. And I you know, did 22,000 miles starting down here in Key West and then going all the way west and even getting a chance to to fly to Hawaii and, and Alaska and people, you know, this was such an incredible experience of people supporting the work and, and donating. And the thing that was so powerful for me back then was that this was also when couch surfing was such a big thing. And so yeah. I was able to stay out on the road for 10 months without paying for a single place to stay, just people opening their their homes and their hearts, right? So it to me, it the, the one of the greatest successes for me was that it reinforced the power of kindness in my personal life. And like that way I tripled down on that commitment to make sure that I could continue to do that in the world. And you know, one of the things that you and I have been talking about, we will, we will dive into that later on, is that on that tour, I also crashed. 
And that be led to a series of, of health issues that actually challenged me in way more ways than I, I was prepared to even deal with and, and had to really practice that self-kindness to help me get through it. Because at one point I was temporarily handicapped to where I could barely walk to where eventually the pain was going up into my hands where I could barely even hold things and could even barely speak at one point. So even all the things that I love to do were being taken away and the journey back to being where I can stand, talk, speak, hold things, live my life has been a um, the journey of a, of a lifetime for sure. Knowing you from college, seeing you around on campus, right? Like you always had the, like the you are awesome sign. Like Kemi was the guy <laughs> spreading positivity, like good vibes, good energy, like just mm -hmm. spreading happiness and to others like that was you like if yeah, anybody yeah. had to like identify who was that person on the <laughs> Univer university of miami campus kevin joseph number one right yes, so absolutely. from there and what that was you said that's when you started with the um ki kindness tour or what did yeah what yeah the, yeah the kindness tour mm -hmm. the kindness tour where you were on a scooter and how many miles was that Twenty-two thousand miles 22,000 miles. Yes. Okay, so the so what was the purpose of doing this tour? The, the purpose of the tour was to increase the awareness and the, the amount of the acts of kindness that people would be doing during that time. And so it, it definitely helped in those ways. And it's interesting too, as I think about the, the initial purpose for the tour, as well as the purpose for the companies who are sponsoring. So we, we actually got sponsored by Genuine Scooters, which is why it's called the Genuine Kindness Tour. Genuine kindness. So it's also to really, and, and their scooter was called the Buddy. So it was just me and my buddy out there on the road all the time. So the idea was also uh, sparking <laughs> more excitement within their community. And, and you know, if you, I don't know if you know many scooter riders, but it's also like scooter riders are pretty, uh, you know, friendly and kind group of folks in general. It, it, so it's just been, it was sweet to connect with all those folks. So it was, that was the other portion of the tour. And then for me personally, it was, like I said, that kind of deeper journey on what does it actually mean to, to, to bring kindness to a world outside of our little bubble. It is easy to do it in UM where, like you said, people love me, knew me. It was, it was relatively easy in that set. And it was like, all right, what if we apply this to a bigger context? What are the challenges? What are the opportunities and what are those those kind of meant to be moments that happen along the way and you answered one of the questions i was going to ask um or maybe you could get a little more into that as far as you know how you did that financially it sounds like you've got sponsors <laughs> and but you know you said i'm a hustler too so i was working <laughs> I, was figuring, I was figuring out all the, the couch surfing donations because we were running a nonprofit. but i was also doing a master's degree online so oh. then so while i was on this tour stopping at coffee shops, working on my master's degree in education. That was probably the hardest part was trying to do this more open in the tour and also having like very like structured deadlines in my in my classes. And so whew, I'm glad I was able to finish both of those. Oh, my goodness. OK, so and then what was the outcome of the Genuine Kindness Tour? In some ways, there, there's been the grappling of like, okay, what did the tour actually achieve, right? And there was, uh, I remember right before I left, I told this uh, young girl, who's like seven years old, I said, hey, I want to go on a tour around the world with kindness and change the world with kindness. And she says, that's impossible. 
Mm. And I was like, you're seven years old. How do you know the word impossible already? You're supposed to be dreaming bigger than me right now. Right. And it was interesting that that still lingers in my mind as she said, like that was impossible. And, you know, I would say, you know, from that perspective at the end of the tour that, yeah, that we did not like change the world in the way that I wanted to. I think I changed my world in a way that I knew this was going to do and, and the people that I interacted with along the way. And so that, that would say those were the outcomes and, and it helped to strengthen the nonprofit in a way that gave us a, a more uh, international community uh, that we're really supporting. And I just, again, got some, some dear mentors and collaborators who are even a part of this new business here today. Uh, so those are the things that I would say as the successes, because um, I can tell you about some of the other challenges, but they, you know, this, those are be some of the successes. You know, it's interesting. I kind of got chills when you mentioned what lingers as far as the seven-year-old saying that's impossible. And I think it only reinforces the fact that like the why and the need for what you were doing, because so many of us believe you can't change the world with kindness like we're kind of playing that narrative like we're told that like we're just growing up believing like what is the value of kindness like i don't know that you know so just mm -hmm. somebody being seven years old and saying that is kind of ah uh, this yeah. is this is the this is the world that we're building right and she'll carry that on and you know now in the work that we're doing with diversity, equity, and inclusion, I mean, some people say the same things about, you know, you can't change the world to make it more fair or to create a place where more people thrive. And it's like, well, if I give up on that, what am I adding to the world at this point? And so, you know, it's a, it's those, those, that same seven-year-old grows up to be adults who kind of block people from actually seeing what else is possible in the world. So the tour ends. How do you get take me from there to where you are now as CEO and co-founder of Fears Advantage? Because I want to uh, learn more about that. But and I also do want to get back to the story of the crash. But tell me what okay, okay. what's happened. Well, the, in that the, time. the I, 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 if I can start with the crash. Yes, the crash, that makes sense. Uh, once I made all the way uh, made it all the way west, I actually crashed in San Francisco. Okay. And then the wild is the reason I'm, I'm going to build up to this because like so I crashed in San Francisco. And then uh, it took about a month or so to repair the, the scooter. The scooter. Right? On okay. the scooter, yeah. It took about a month or so to repair the scooter. And then after I got back on the road, maybe like two and a half weeks later, someone stole the scooter. So I was like, what is happening right what? now? And so the that was that began the end of the tour. I was like, all right, this, this is you know getting more uh, complicated you. than we thought. Yeah, and so I listened to those kind of messages. And the place it was stolen is uh, Eugene, Oregon. And so... Because it was stolen there, I actually got more time. I got to spend more time in this place than I ever really imagined. I didn't know it existed before I got there. And what was interesting, it was is uh, it was such a um, a uh, positive and a supportive place when I even even during the middle of it, my scooter being stolen there, that I decided to move there for five years. And so while I was there, uh, what was interesting is the injuries from the from the crash actually caught up with me, and it was. And what uh, interesting... were the injuries? Um, so I flipped over the scooter. So basically my neck, my uh, lower back, and then my ankle. So it, yeah, basically, um, and you saw me before, it, it, I was always on my feet, always doing, always doing. And so this, uh, after the accident, I actually walked away from it. And I think this is, you know, a, a, a tailing tale for people. Like sometimes we walk away from our accidents or these traumas and we don't really understand the impact that it has on us. And so I walked away. I was like, great. I'm literally back on the, the scooter as soon as I could be. 
And, and then it wasn't until the tour was over and I stopped and I stopped traveling and I was just in a place where I felt you know that things were well, things were safe, that boom, all of the types of trauma started to show up. And it was, a, for me as, as somebody who's a doer and, and a mover and a shaker, it was like such a thing where like the idea of the glass being so, <laughs> so empty that I couldn't essentially do the things that I, that I was doing to kind of prove that I was valuable or prove that like, hey, people should love me because I can do for them. So it became a time where I had to really go into isolation. Like I said, being temporary handicapped, I wasn't able to do nearly as many of the things that I, I could do. Um, and so really- What were some go... of the things that you lost the ability to do? Oh, like for example, doing all the free hugs, you know, I, I think on the tour and before that, I mean, I probably, I probably have some kind of Guinness record of like, of the amount of hugs and the amount of hours I put into those pieces, um, even being able to perform. So I'm also a musician. So I wasn't barely able to do the concerts that I wanted to do, just even go on a walk to go hang out with people. So it became a thing where I could barely do the outdoor activities that people were doing during the summer times. Um, Again, like holding things or uh, even writing and like holding a pencil became something that was difficult or typing at a computer, which, you know, we use computers so much more now. I couldn't even imagine if that was the only way I could communicate back then. Uh, so I had to like learn how to use voice dictation in those pieces to uh, kind of navigate around those limitations. So what were you going through at that time? Like when that was happening and you were really limited in those things, like you said, that were your love languages, um, how did that affect you? Yeah, I, um, you know, we haven't talked so much about my past, but, you know, growing up as a kid, I feel like I was experiencing depression since I was like eight years old. And uh, when my life started to be more positive in my teens, I think I was like, oh, okay, as long as I just keep doing positive stuff, I never have to deal with depression or I, it can just be there, but I can overcome it with positivity. And, um, and that's, that's, what I had been doing for most of my teens and through college was really kind of just showing the, the positive and the kind of forcing the negative away, forcing the fears away. And during that time, it was so powerful because I couldn't do any of those. So it just basically the depression kind of crept in and full force, you know, and it, it was to the point, I remember one, one moment being in my uh, apartment at the time, I was by myself and I'm just like in the living room on the floor and I'm just, uh, I'm just, you know, basically crying at this point because I feel like everything I tried to do wasn't working. Uh, again, being an overachiever, it's like, man, I tried freaking everything. And uh, all I heard was this little voice that started to, like, it was my voice, like singing a song to me saying, I love you, Kenny J. I'm grateful that you're alive. <laughs> it just like broke me, right? Just. I love you, Kenny J. I'm grateful that you're alive. And it was that, I think, why that voice was so quiet is the self-love hadn't been as um, as big of a, a presence in my life until then. I could I knew how you to take really care like of other people. You weren't really like nurturing it. Yeah, very much knew how to take yourself. care of other people. Mm -hmm. And this was like, oh, here's what I need right now. And that became just such a uh, defining moment for me at that point was saying, hey, I, I have to accept that maybe I won't be back to full capacity, but how do I appreciate that I, I'm still alive? How do I act from here? How do I enjoy what I'm as much, how do I enjoy as much as I can while I still can? 
And then as I still continue to, to build, you know, I'm, I'm even more grateful in my life as I have kind of more of my um, physical abilities restored, but that, that kind of core of saying, oh, here's who I really am. And I don't necessarily have to try to uh, hide anger or, or, or like trying to move away from my depression. How do I embrace that that's part of me and that I can use that to fuel me in a different way? So what was the answer to that question that you asked yourself? <laughs> that uh, that answer is, is really what has helped create the fears of vanish, to be honest, is that, you know, I, I realized I said my life before the teenager was not so positive. I remember going to like anger management classes because of the things that like the ways I was behaving. I mean, to the point I was like, I was expelled out of fourth grade for like throwing chairs in classes. I know you're hearing a lot what? of things for the first time. I know. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Free hugs and you are awesome. Kemi Joseph, nonprofit founder, yeah. was getting thrown out of class and suspended or whatever for throwing chairs. Yeah, throwing chairs in classrooms full of other kids. I mean, I, and I think I tell people all the time, like I, I did so much positive work because I realized, uh, mm. one, how negative I had been and how hurtful I had been, but also the difference in my life. Like as soon as I started being more positive, I mean, doors were opening left and right. I had learned through those anger management, or at least I had perceived that it was just telling me to like stuff the anger, put it away, like put the frustration away, put the pain away, not necessarily how to manage it or how to deal with it in the real world. And so, you know, when we, when we think about that, like we were constantly told to overcome our fears. And I'm saying now that fears are inside of us for a reason. Why am I trying mm. to overcome something inside of me? What if, if it's there, how do I use it to help me? as opposed to hurt me. And that's, that's the difference. And that, that became clear in that same time period. And it's, it's now that we are doing this for people and organizations. Every time I share this, people are like, oh, absolutely, I get it. Like I'm, I'm done trying to do that same fight because that fight leaves us exhausted. That inner fight with ourselves leaves us feeling um, not as capable. It, it leaves us basically feeling unawesome, which was the total opposite of what I wanted people to feel and the fight being trying to lock away our fears instead of what I feel like I've started to learn a lot about as an entrepreneur and leaning into our fears right yes leaning okay. into harnessing them I mean especially you're talking about being an entrepreneur I've heard recently that's one of the most traumatic positions we can have in the world right to like to be we're constantly putting ourselves out there dealing with the rejection it's like tied to our livelihood right and yep it, anybody who's stepping up to be an entrepreneur is just it's this is a it's a hard path and many of us want to succeed and and not only tied to our livelihood there. tied to our identity and self-worth in a sense right that's what goes back to that conversation when i was on the floor of my apartment being able to embrace my worthiness outside of what i my performance mm. outside of my whatever i was producing like like to even be able, when I closed my first business, it was interesting to think, oh, I thought the business was a failure, which meant that I was a failure. And it's like, no, I am enough. The business can be a failure. Absolutely. Like that's what happens. I mean, one out of 10 businesses succeed in this game. So that's fine. Cause then I can learn what I need to learn, but I can't learn it if I believe that it's this, it's me and this business is the same thing. These things can still be taken away, but as long as I'm here, I can should just express myself in a different way and, and let that worthiness show up differently. So that helps me kind of navigate the space a little bit differently this time around. Awesome. So fast forward to fears, which is now mm -hmm. the name of your company. 
Tell mm-hmm, me mm-hmm. about um, what Fear's Advantage is and the work that you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So for us, I'll bring this up here. For us, Fear stands for Fuel Extraordinary Actions, Relationships, and Systems. You know, I think you mentioned at some point, like flipping the script. Like for me, I would love to flip the <laughs> script on words. And then really, I think from us, I don't tell us everybody, but from a kind of production standpoint, we as actors might get a script and it tells us what to do. So you know, I'm flipping the script. We're the producers now. Like I'm the producer. Or I just say I'm the director of my life. But we know that there's a bigger producer out there, whatever you believe. I would imagine that we see the 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 bigger picture as a producer. But I want to be the director. I don't necessarily want to just be the actor in my own life. And so for me, flipping the script on things like fears is like figuring out how can I look at it in a way that actually helps me. So that fuel and to, to really fuel it in a way that's extraordinary allows us to tell our stories from a place of power and possibility. And then we take actions that are actually going to heal instead of harm, that allows us to build relationships that are inclusive, that allows us to build relationships that are supportive, and that we can create systems in our own lives that allow us to, to thrive. And you know, it's kind of down to our personal systems. Like one of the things I started doing back in 20, uh, back during the tour was I have alerts on my phone that show up and it would say something like, you know, I love you, Kemi, or, uh, you know, uh, drink water. <laughs> or, like, you know, even small down to alerts here, uh, yeah. you, know, sh- you know, express gratitude and, and show significance. Like those things are on my phone. It's like, that was one of the first kind of systems I would put it in place for myself that would throughout the day give me the reminders that maybe nobody else would tell me in the world to keep me going in the way that I wanted to go to bigger systems like being able to have a whole studio like we have right now to to reach people all over the world. So for me, it's like, what are the systems I need to put in my in place for my own self? Uh, and then we're helping organizations also put systems in place to to make sure everybody in their in their team can feel the same way. So tell me about uh, the type of organizations you're working with. I know there's a lot of work around diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, so tell me about that and really why you decided to go in this this direction. Yeah, and it's uh, it's funny because you were asking me about to close the gap. Like while I was in Eugene, I also got a chance to uh, to work with Nobel Peace Prize winners through a group called Peace Jam, and that was that was the first time I saw people on this epic world scale, right? That they're they're changing the world and they're making such a difference. And it was just it, the program. The whole focus was that they're just they're regular people just stepping up as leaders every single day. It's like mm. <laughs> what a concept, right? right? So, for us, when we, we're doing this work, we understand how much influence leaders have and specifically helping leaders to know where they have influence and saying, if you're running a team, even if it's a team of two, there's people who are looking at you, people who, who are looking to you to be their leader and you have influence in their lives. And so when we are applying diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's really for us as leaders to say, whether well, it's a team of two or some people have teams of 2 million people, whatever right. it is, how are we, how are we creating a place where people can be safe and thrive, especially if they're helping us in our business. When they thrive, our business thrives. It's it's almost like a, a, it's a weird thing to be explaining to people sometimes. And when DEI has become so polarized with, um, with the politics, race and privilege conversation. So for us, we're constantly flipping the script and, and helping people see that DEI is not for minorities, not just for minorities. It is for every single human being. So the idea that even you and I have been communicating, you're listening, you're paying attention to me, you're checking on my story, you're asking these follow-up questions, like that communication is DEI. In order for us to even connect, we have to practice relating to the other human being and giving them voice in the conversation. We're just helping people to magnify that 
in their organization. So they as leaders can also thrive. Let me ask you, when did fear, you found fears add advantage or start the company? I founded it uh, last year, actually. So after COVID, it was, it's been on my mind for so long and I've been doing the work in different ways. And then COVID like shut me down back to another limitation, right? That I was traveling like 150 days the year before, like by plane now, I was getting upgraded. I had all this awesome stuff. And then it was like, boom, like shut it down. And uh, I've learned that limitations are invitations. I became multi-talented because I was multi-limited, right? There had all these different roadblocks in my life. I was like, oh, I have to like figure out a new way to do this and be on Zoom, right? I was never on Zoom this much beforehand, right? So now that I got the studio, it was like, because I wanted to bring to life what, I, what my dream has been. It's just now what you gotta do it in a virtual space. And so fears, um, it was interesting to start that last year in the middle of everything. Um, and it's also Especially been such a blessing. because during that time, Right now, this is, I'm guessing if it's right after COVID, was this before or after George Floyd? Uh, so fears began just before uh, George Floyd's murder. And so this has certainly escalated everything for us. And, um, you know, I, I was just in tears every, almost every day after that, right? It was it tears personally um, and tears for the world. It's interesting to for me to think back to, um, I'll tell them the time that, the tour was happening just because so this is 2012 when the tour happened and in that same year Trayvon Martin was killed and I just left Florida during that time right like I just like got out of North Florida around that time that he was being murdered and it was interesting to me that George Floyd's murder reminded me like how much I had personally had been disengaged even as a black man in this conversation that I had been taught like okay if you just do good you know, you stay out of trouble right. and then again, kid was in lots of trouble. I keep your head down. Like, I'm like, again, I'm in people's homes. People are trusting me. I, people on the tour, it was all different cultures who were supporting me in the tour. So I thought America, I literally, like a lot of people thought America was moving forward. And I, and it just like crushed me to think like, wow, what if I never made it back home on that tour? Like I was all over the place and I could have easily been taken out by some officer or by just a, a random person who believes in the old world order. And, and I just realized I hadn't done enough either. And so for that, the catalyst to say, hey, as long as I'm alive, I'm going all in on, on making sure that racial equity, other, like we talk about equities in, in so many ways, but racial equity and DEI as a conversation, as a, as a framework, as a, um, a tool to, to thrive is something that more people get to embrace and get to experience. So are, do you feel like since the events of what happened um, last spring into summer um, that organizations you are working with are more open to working with you or do you feel like you're being met with resistance? Both. <laughs> it's both for sure. And this is, I think, why when they when people see the name fears, they're like, wait, what's happening right now? Like we can... We can actually be afraid and also be positive and be productive. It's like, yeah, all those things are probably, that's already happening now. Right now people are afraid, but they're just choosing to, to avoid or act out. We've been asking our clients, what problem do you do you solve by avoiding it? Like I haven't found one that I can solve by avoiding it. So let's stop avoiding it and figure out what, how we are actually, um, how we can uh, approach it in a way that is actionable and affordable as, as well as enjoyable. So that's, when we bring it to them like that, we're seeing less resistance. We're seeing uh, also that, as you can get a sense from me, like people talk about the free hugs. It's like, I've been doing DEI since back then because 
even knowing not everybody wanted a hug, right? We were giving high fives and fist bumps and even a smile and wave if you don't want any contact. So for me, back then, it was all about like uh, giving people what they needed in a way that made the most sense for them. And so when we're bringing this conversation about DEI, it's important that we're helping leaders find out what is it, how do they need support in this conversation? So that, that seven-year-old girl, now now I got some answers for you, right? It is right, possible. Right. And now just a, it's about how we do it differently. Awesome. So if someone, what qualifies like an organization as being maybe like the right fit, right type of client and working with Fears Advantage? So there's first and foremost, a willingness for people to embrace where they are leaders, regardless of their title. Uh, so that, so when we usually would get brought in from the mid or high level folks to, to bring us in. So generally it's having champions who not only know how important DEI is, but also knows that it's, um, that they need to do it in, in a unique way that's going to bring people together. So those are some of the kind of more uh, emotional qualities. Again, we're coaching teams and supporting teams as little as like three, uh, two or three uh, up to, I think our biggest client has like several hundred employees. So the those things are less important to us. It's more of the, are they actually willing to do the work? And mm. for anybody who's listening, it, the work can get overwhelming. Are you also willing to celebrate progress? Like that's something that we do that other people are not doing. It's a, uh, for me, again, talking about my journey of healing, I celebrate every day that I can do the things that I'm doing now. People who have that kind of vision, that's that's more rare than any of the other qualities, I'll tell you right now. So those are the people that we really are attracting and the people that, that are allowing us to support them in the big in the greatest way. I'm so glad that we had this conversation today um, because I did just some kind of you know, kind of searching inner work on myself and my business um, a little over a year ago. And what are my core values? And I came up with health and happiness, right? <laughs> so which is really why I started this podcast. And so I talked to health and wellness entrepreneurs and what I like to say are, hey, happiness entrepreneurs, purpose driven entrepreneurs. Um, because that is important to me. And I think those are the things that are required for all of us to have prosperous mm -hmm. businesses, for all of us to have happy lives, for all of us to live in the way that we like, we need our health. Yes. And I think we need our happiness too, right? Absolutely. So that to me has also been so much of who you are, or at least what I see radiating off of you yeah, since yeah. I've known you in college. Um, do you have a tip or just any thoughts on how um, you stay so positive and happy and keep that as part of who you are despite mm. so many ups and downs through your, you know, your businesses and meet, being faced with challenges? How do you do that? That's a huge question. Have you said just one tip? You just want one? Well, <laughs> or did, give I us a share, few. Give us a few. <laughs> I did share earlier, like I, I was being very serious with people that I have the alerts on my phone that will show up. And it is that that was one of the first things I did was to 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 use the to set like calendar alerts on my phone with the messages that I wanted to hear, even if no one gave me um uh you know a kind of message of affirmation that day. Cause again, like especially during the time I was like by myself so much more than I had uh, had ever wanted to be so 
for sure, I'll start with what are, what are those words that you want to hear and making sure you give yourself them. And whether it's, if you ever see my place, I have, you know, affirmations all over right in front of me. Here's my vision board. So even while I'm doing my work, I can see something bigger than myself. And uh, so I would say that, like, really affirm yourself on a regular basis and define what happiness means and looks like for you. And that way you can use um, your affirmations and your visualizations or whatever it is your support system to to have more of that in your life. I love that. Thank you so much. Tell everyone how they can connect with you, learn more about you and Fierce Advantage. Oh yeah, we also talked about a free resource. We we just yes. wrote out a, a, a free a DEI leadership assessment. So this is, some people are so focused on what the organizations have to do. It's like, no, we as leaders also have our own responsibility and our own ability to make an impact like today like right now so this uh this free uh, assessment uh will allow you to see how you measure up and what you can do like literally right after the assessment to start making a positive impact uh and that is at uh, fearsadvantage.com lead so if you want to lead <laughs> go right there fearsadvantage.com lead that's also where people can find out more about me and the work that we're doing and and if you ever need that kind of positive boost, come to that page. I'll tell you in general, you'll find a video that will will help to uh, to give you some of that hope and really give you that that kind of peace of mind that people are doing the work. It just looks different. Any social media channels you want to share where people can connect? Social media. So uh, Instagram at Kemi Speaks. And then uh, LinkedIn, you just look up my name, right? Kemi Joseph. And so I'm grateful to be one of few Kemis in the world. <laughs> so, you know, but in, back in the day, it felt like, <laughs> yeah, it should be pretty easy to find. And please reach out and connect. I think the, the, in the world that we are seeking connection, we want to be a, uh, a vehicle for that. So please reach out and connect and, and, and we'd love to, to chat some more. I love that. And I'll make sure to link to all of that, your social media, as well as the free resource below in the show notes so people can easily find it and stay connected with you. Kemi. Sounds like you're a pro. Sounds like you're a pro. (laughs) (laughs) Kemi, truly a pleasure catching up with you. Um, I really appreciate your time today. It was so much fun for me to catch up with Kemi after not talking to him for several years or staying as connected as we were years ago. So I hope you enjoyed his story and really just keeping positivity, happiness at the focus and center of who you are because we all need that to keep going and pushing forward in our lives every day. And despite becoming partially disabled and even going through anger management as a kid, um, it's really fueled him to be even more positive. Um, in his adult life. So make sure you find more about Kemi below in the show notes, connect with him, go ahead and check out that free resource he's offering. And hey, stay connected with me. You know, I love to stay connected with you. I'm on all the places, but specifically hit subscribe, turn on notifications right here on YouTube if you're watching this and stay connected on LinkedIn, but I'm all the places, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you can certainly find me. So until next week, because I know I'll see you back here. Stay happy, stay healthy.